Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to our little podcast here, Tyler Friends for Ome, by yours truly, friends. And welcome to our third episode here at a pristine morning of July. And I think I mentioned in the past episode that I will be reading to you my first English novel, which is entitled Status Proudly Depressed. It was the first English novel that I wrote in full. I did write some drafts now and then, but they weren't finished at all. So this is the first one, really. So just a little fact or trivia about this novel. It was all... I mean, it has all started when when uh, my friends back in college gave me the one green notebook and they were psychology majors so hello shout out to um Janeline, clarissa vanessa and um christina so yeah hello <laughs> i hope you guys are okay so they are the friends that I had way back in college. They are, again, I mentioned psychology majors. And they were talking about this certain depression and other anxiety conditions that people like us, most people, rather, experience throughout their life. And I was at the time pretty, pretty low-key depressed. So I was silent at the corner while watching them converse. And I just got this note from another friend, which is which is very precious because it was given to me as a gift on my birthday and I started thinking was there anyone in the world who were proud that they have been depressed or they were depressed and so that brought me the idea of writing of something about a person who's actually has actually been proud that she had been depressed and it's a it's a really daunting experience to to explain to people that were asking me why it was titled this way. And I just said finally that you should get to end I mean you should get to the end of the story before you would understand why it was entitled status proudly depressed. It's past tense, so it's letter D at the end. I know. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, I wrote it in 2015. I wrote it in about five months. That's pretty fast, if I may say. Because most of the novels are write. I write rather. Sorry for my stutter. Most of the novels I write takes around a year to finish. But these are just five months. So without further ado. Uh, sit back and I'll be reading to you the first three chapters. Let's go to the world of Sam Who is the protagonist of the story and I hope you guys like it Status proudly depressed chapter one I've been depressed Or at least I am Having it is not one of the coolest things you'll consider or something you can be proud of. It's not something you've dreamed of having back when you were just a little kid, nor it's not something you planned at the process of growing up. It's a thing you discover within yourself once you become aware of the signs. 
There's too many disturbing signs that went through your inner core and would start a list of questions dangling right next to you. Am I normal? Is this normal? Are you like me? How I've adapted this? Where did it start? And how? And so many questions that most end up unanswered and seem to increase as time passes by. It's not a cancer, no, not a flu, or a cold that you can easily sneeze away through taking medicines and sleeping. Yet, yeah, this is about the mind and the heart making most of its victims think of things as serious as suicide, the act of ending one's life. And a feeling that you're completely past the test of being normal and seeing the world through your eyes that lets you believe that you are not normal is a very sad, ironic way of life. Believe me, I know the feeling of it. Because this is exactly how I perceive depression. I realized these things for the ninth time as I make my way down to the university hall. My university hall with my duffel bag clinging awkwardly on my right shoulder. It bounces back and forth as I still walk past the busy offices surrounding the building and get to bump with several students who were strolling their way through the area as another class end and another began. Time by time, I get to screen down my wristwatch, barely acknowledging the running minutes and continue to look for a familiar face to greet me beneath the serene image the morning of January Gibbs. I stopped for a while and turned my head quickly as I recognized a plain black-haired girl in uniform same as mine approaching me with a smile on her lips. Sam, Mitch called in, and in just one step we were close enough to reach one another. She impatiently adjusted her black bag and looked at me with a sudden surprise. I thought you weren't coming. I wish I couldn't, but I knew you would be angry, I say. And I drew out a long, exasperated sigh. Look, I can't do this. She touched her hand to my arm. We have talked about this, haven't we? Now go get yourself in a grip and meet Mr. Bellano down his office. I want to know what happened. Every single detail. She reached for my hand and gave me one of those encouraging smiles she has. Look. You'll be fine. You just have to answer some questions, explain some things, but other than that, you'll be good. I wish I could be there for you the whole time, but you know that it's some sort of a confidential thing, and classes can put me away. She gave me a hug. I'll catch you later, okay? I gotta go. I watched her as she turned and swirled away, and moments later, she disappeared on the other side of the building. She was my best friend over a year now, and the first time our world got connected is such a surprise to us in my everyday life. I was in line to the bill section still at university when she she approached me about little things about my course. I let her learn that we are sharing the same program course, that we are both literally majors. Literature majors. Since then, we stick through thick and thin, though at times immaturity crush us and we get to fight more often than we want. But she's there all the time, filling in the void. 
I couldn't find any reason for her to be away or find any reason for me to be mad at her except for today I gather myself and firm my hand on my duffel bag as it continues its bounce back motion and resume my journey up the computer building just a few walks away from the main building I had surfaced back to Mitch I wasn't really referring to the literal meaning of mad uh, maybe I was just talking to being just a little mad for what she had done my face and my initial reaction when I learned about it was far too much to describe and I would be lying if I tell you it wasn't the kind of thing I never thought of but still it doesn't feel right you need this Sam I remember her saying it a few weeks before in a canteen where we met after I told her I'm not depressed and I'm perfectly fine this thing on you has got to stop you need some serious advice apart from ours you'll be there or I'll drag you to Mr. Balana's office myself well she always had a way to bend my gutters down so here I am on my reluctant manner heading to meet my psychology counselor Mr. Balana for my first ever session of formal counseling great I thought just great Mitch had arranged it obviously without my consent and I just found out it took her three weeks to schedule the meeting and another week to have it approved such an effort I missed but this isn't necessary nor isn't even a matter she keeps on telling me I need this but to me all I need is a closet where I can be all alone where no one can remind me I am constantly suffering the thing they call depression I don't need to be a psychology major to know it and it's not like I wanted this no, but the reality struck me as odd that others began to notice my indifference to myself, to them, and to the world. I never planned this, nor did I never know that I would become aware of the signs for far too long. As I've said earlier, this isn't the kind of thing I dreamed of back at times my age hasn't reached that two number combinations yet. Without bothering to look up, I centered my way down to the latest room where luckily I am all by myself. Heat mingled through my skin as I get to feast my eyes towards a sable haired girl staring blankly back at me. Her shoulder slightly moved when I breathed in and exhale. I ran a hand through my hair that was tied up in a bun at the back of my head and her actions mirrored mine. I touched the tip of my hair hanging freely up to the curved base of my back and it's stretched long enough to meet the length of a belt if I would just let it hang loose. With my eyes, I marveled through the sight of her, the girl. Her sharp, dark brown eyes wore that pierced dull look that is now clouded with uncertainty. Her long straight nose accentuated the tilt of her mouth, her rich cheeks the only line that rounded her elliptic face. Crisp white uniform bordered with midnight blue straps adorned her plump physique. And with her bag dangling from the side and her school look and all, she's fine. I blink and manage another sigh. I am her and I am fine. I don't know how long it took me before I actually reached at last the guidance office. I stared blankly at the gray door and came to see few school announcements 
and posters attached to its middle surface, blocking the only view one could look into from the outside. Far from the distance, I could hear some finance students talking about their feasibility and management. And I could feel a soft swish of air from my behind as they walked in past the office, their voices disappearing down the floor. It seemed to me that they are having this good day to date, and obviously they are, and like my own version of this day. I don't quite know until now if I'll call it good or bad. Half bad, full good, or maybe full bad, and half good. Or maybe both. I touched a curled fist on the wooden door and knocked. And after a second or so, I came to meet eye to eye a brown haired young lady smiling up to me in her blue dainty uniform. I greeted her good morning and she let me in. And I breathed a sigh of relief as I felt my skin relax with the cool air air conditioning thing gives off. She asked me of the concern I am after, and I sort of mumble in awkwardness by telling her I am here for a talk, a psychological kind of one. I'm sorry? She inquired. Counseling? I answered. Mr. Bellano? Ah, right, she says. And her features lighten up as she recognizes a name in her paper. Miss Sam Buenavista, am I correct? I shyly nod, feeling the tightness in my lungs, making it harder for me to breathe. It always happens to me under so many circumstances, by the way. I'll tell Sir Bellano you're already here so the two of you can start, she says, and disappearing into a smaller room from the corner. I shifted uneasily in my seat, trying to calm now the wild thumping of my heart. Why does it always have to be like this? I silently mutter, and entertain myself by picking up some nicely printed brochures from a square glass table next to me. They were all identical, each one bearing on top of it a split stone university in broad, proud, bold fonts. Under it was a list of the courses offered, their benefits, the university's pictures of its facilities, and the other related matters that fall under one goal. To promote the school. I plucked them back when Mrs. Secretary in blue sprang out from the room and gestures me to get in there. Is waiting to see you now, she meekly said. I offered her a thank you as I grabbed the doorknob. From my periphery, I can see that she had returned to her usual cubicle and had focused her attention on computers standing by. I stood the knob open and there inside greeted me a room painted in blue. Pictures of different psychological facts and issues adorned the walls. The whole area was filled with wooden cabinets that bear numerous books arranged systematically based on their width and size. An open window crafted with blue soft curtains stood from the corner, and thin morning sunlight streamed across it. There's a television at the top of the clock, and a sitting fan are attached to the ceiling, its head moving in left and right position. In the middle, I could see a wooden desk and a swivel chair that offers comfy feeling once it was taken. Miss Buena Vista, Mr. Bellana called, rising from his seat. It's nice meeting you. He offered me a hand. I took it, 
and in time my eyes adjusted at the sight of the man who's gesturing me to see. He looks young, his gray shirt grayly showing off his skin's fair complexion. His hair though, even though it's crowned with little white strands at the top of his head, were nicely combed in a way that reminded me of Richard Gere's hairline on one of his movies with Julia Roberts. He's fairly slim, his features set an example of an experienced gentleman, what with his professional demeanor and all. Amusement clouded his sharp, smart eyes as he continues looking at me from his seat like I was a crossword puzzle to solve. He must be in his late 30s. I can see that you don't like this, he simply says. I can't blame you. This is all fairly unconventional. And completely odd, may I just say, I added, clearing my throat. Soft touch of the chair's arm tendered my back, easing my heartbeat. Silence owned the moments that followed and I was aware in how Sir Bellano is still eyeing me with discreet curiosity from his seat. And it is awkward, really awkward. Maybe, just maybe, I was really a human born out from a puzzle. When he let that on for another 30 seconds, I counted it. I cleared my throat and guessed her as a question. I'm sorry if I may be rushing, but aren't you supposed to be asking me questions? He let out a smile. Yes, but not yet. From the side table, he fishes out a small white folder and hands it over to me. I quickly open it and meet familiar questions, blanks, and spaces provided. You need to fill some papers first. You know, basic information and sorts. And at the process, I'll be able to explain a few things about our little session. Yeah, no problem, I said. I fetch out a pen from my bag, and as soon as I get to unlatch its cover, I begin to write most things the paper is asking. I presume this is your first, he says. Is this any trouble for you? Yes, I said. And I suddenly stopped. Damn, I just can't get a hold of myself. I mean, no, I commended. This isn't actual trouble, it's just a little. I sign in resignation. Alright, my friend set this up for me and well, I can't say no to her even though I could, so here I am. A good friend indeed, he commented. Lucky for you to have someone like her. I couldn't imagine the fun. Yeah, I am. I agreed. And focused back down to the paper. I have stopped now at the bottom, the lines asking my name and all. Twitching the pen, I let it point to the paper's texture and half-heartedly write my answers. Samantha Philip Buenavista, 19. Single, third year literature major. Live at Villano Street and well, female. I wince at the film apart though. It was the kind of question that wasn't really the kind of thing I usually ignore. I mean, I know I'm just a female alone or a female period but under the circumstances discussing freedom of one nowadays i felt that they should have added two slots with an option to fill in if you know what i mean 
Now I hear Mr. Bellano resume from his talking. I would just like to let you acknowledge that all the matters we'd be talking here would be privately enclosed within the four corners of his room, just to me and you, in particular. His eyes narrowed a little. I want to assume I already have your trust since you were the one who made this meeting possible. I nod. I guess there's no one to say. Trust is everything to me. And I do hope that it would be the same for you. If you trust me, then I will do the same for you. I appreciate you took the initiative to be a part of this. All I can promise you is we'll try the best we can get to, uh, to get you better. I take it we have some sort of a deal then. I sort of frown at him, his words plunging deep into my understanding. This is what I hate about being here. They make you feel like a kid still unaware that you have a life to lead. They make you forget that you have a working mind to use and that people like him tend to talk like he knows everything about you, that he could just dismiss your situation with just a wave of his hand. I know I'm talking nonsense here, but this is how I feel the moment he said them. I believe it's not only me who has experienced it, and most probably kids my age have gone through this. Yeah, whatever deal it is then, I say, nonchalantly, swallowing the annoyance down my throat. He lay back on his chair, and I resumed the writing task. Mother's name, father's, occupations, age, are they married, do I have siblings? This is really an easy one, I'm amused. Just names and situations. The idea that all of it would be involved in this psychological talk is like a pen without its cover. I mean, knowing how many siblings you have won't determine why you have been the way you have been if you know what I'm figuring. It's the same with a pen that can write without its cover. And simple words, I find these basic questions purely and undeniably unnecessary. In just a quick stride of the pen, I finished the paper and handed it back to him. He quickly went through it, scanned it, and I can see his amusement in reading things I've written there. Not to mention my overly large handwriting, where you cannot see any single trace of small letters, and always been in caps lock mode. So I guess that would be all for now for the first chapter of Status Proudly Depressed. I may be continuing to read it for the next couple of episodes. I'll let you know about that. And this novel, this little fact, was um, had been available on Amazon, but the last time I checked it, it's not. I mean, no one has ever bought it yet. And I forgot how to get back there. So, uh, yes, this is uploaded on Amazon. You can check it out. I think it's around nine dollars per per piece, and that was it for this today's episode. If you like it or would like to share it with someone, I hope you will. Uh, just uh, share the podcast episode and also look out for my Facebook page, which is Friends Berdelame Poetry. It's searchable in Facebook. Just send me a friend request and I'll let you get inside my world of poetry. Okay, thank you so much for listening, Fox, and cheers!